Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Let's get into it. Let's get started. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Breaking, there's a lot of breaking news going on today. Um, we're getting closer and closer to the NFL season. Obviously, the the breaking news, the big news uh, that I'm going to start the episode off with is Cam Newton and the Patriots. The Patriots just released, they just released, they just cut Cam Newton. So we're going to obviously talk about that, but I can't wait to get into it. Can't wait to be back. <clears throat> As I told you guys um, on the previous episode, if you didn't catch it, if you, get a, if you didn't get a chance to tune in, you know, you can go back and tune in if you want to, but as I said, as I stated, I'm in my new setting, my dorm room. <laughs> I'm in my college dorm room. So, uh, you know, that, that's that been a pretty fun experience uh, getting used to. But um, obviously, we're moving into the NFL season. So it, it, we're going to be all it's going to be a lot of NFL, a lot of NFL, a lot of football. So if you if you're here for that, uh, please stay because it's it's it, it's nothing but football, nothing nothing but football nothing but nfl so let's let's not waste any more time into it first and foremost i'm your humble and highly favored host isaiah kid of the isaiah kid podcast uh shouts out to all the first time listeners shouts out to all the regular listeners shouts out to um shouts out to all the people that's been sharing and spreading this podcast and helping me grow it you know so i greatly appreciate that um number uh you know you guys are growing so i you know greatly appreciate it um, but let's get into it. Cam okay, so let's not waste any time. Um, the breaking news, Cam Newton got released by the New England Patriots. Um, and like I said, my previous episode, I talked about Cam Newton and his COVID abscesses or his COVID mishap, the COVID nonsense, right? Um, about the vaccination and all that good stuff. And he missed some important days. He missed some important days. Mac Jones took advantage of opportunities, and I basically talked about on the previous episode, I talked about, I said, hey, you know, Mac Jones has taken full advantage of the opportunity, and this could very well hurt Cam and his chances in getting the starting job. Little do I know, Cam Newton got, gets released the following week. Am I surprised? No, I'm not surprised. And let and we got to be real about this whole Cam Newton situation and topic. I I I I I discussed it a little bit. Like I said on the previous episode, I discussed it. But we got to be real. Cam Newton last year was not great. Um, even even prior to COVID, he wasn't great. Uh, we, pri prior to him catching COVID, he was not great. He did not have a he would he did not have a great showing all throughout last year. Um, and he hasn't quite been the same since 2018, since that shoulder injury. Um, and, and his, his athletic ability has taken a hit and ha and as his athletic abilities have taken a hit and he doesn't have that same type of arm talent, um, his deficiencies are glaring. They're much more glaring than they were several years back. The older that he's gotten, <clears throat> the more that his skills have depreciated, the more that his weaknesses have shown up. And they're glaring weaknesses. They're only increasing. His weaknesses are only increasing. And his athleticism is only declining as he's getting older. Due to all of the mileage and the hits and the injuries and so forth. But the Cam Newton, so you, you factor that in with his play. Wasn't great last year. 
Granted, he was having a fine preseason, but he wasn't lighting the world on fire. Um, you look at the COVID absences and the COVID mishaps. You know, you I, I talked about it last week. There were so many stories just dropping and leaking out of New England about Cam Newton and the COVID and how or, you know, the COVID mishaps um, and how that has basically impacted or infected his chances, affected his chances, excuse me, uh, affected his chances at becoming or being the starter or staying the starter. And then you factor in that New England, I, I told you guys this last year when, when, when New England first signed Cam Newton, I always thought Cam Newton going to New England was a weird fit. So we all, we, we all knew that this New England and Cam Newton relationship, it wasn't going to be long. It wasn't for, it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. It was a he was he was a bridge quarterback. Cam Newton was a bridge quarterback until New England found their right guy. And we all knew New England when they drafted Mac Jones. We all knew the skill set that the skill set that Mac Jones possessed. We all knew New England, that's what they wanted in a in their quarterback. Simple as that. Cam Newton was always a weird fit in New England. He was always a weird fit in New England. New England values um, efficiency, accuracy, making it you, they, they all the things that New England value in a quarterback. Cam is kind of the polar opposite, and Mac Jones brings he what Mac Jones brings to the table is what New England wants in a quarterback. Plus, your quarterback has to be reliable. It's it, simple as that. Simple as that. Your quarterback has to be reliable, and with a guy like Cam Newton, um, and I'm and I, and not even this. Let me let me not let me rephrase that. Given the fact that Cam Newton last year caught COVID, and it you know a lot of people say it took a hit on his play. Given the fact that okay he caught COVID last year, it 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 put, it put a deterrence in his season. You would think the following year, where his job, his starting job is on the line, you would think he would take all of the necessary precautions to avoid that same situation. And he didn't. And I, I just is just my opinion, but I think that drove the Patriots and Belichick crazy. It, the mere fact that COVID was the same very thing that many people are saying, which you know, derailed Cam's season last year, even though you look at the games prior to him catching COVID, he wasn't great or spectacular at all. But if that's the narrative that you want to run with, well, he didn't take the necessary precautions to make sure that didn't happen again. So he had the whole COVID mishap. And I I think for me, with New England, that my in my opinion, I think that was the last straw and put on top of the fact that Cam is only he's aging. It's not like he had much equity within the Patriots organization. It's not like they had him on a big deal. It was it, it was time. And I felt like the COVID's the, 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 the COVID mishap and the whole misunderstanding around COVID-19 and so forth and the vaccinate. Like, I feel like that, that, that was that was the last straw. That was the last straw. And you look at and you look at what Mac Jones, you know, and it also helped that Mac Jones played pretty well in the preseason. It, that that helped as well, where Mac Jones showed you that he looks pretty, he looks pro ready. He's gonna make all the right throws. He's gonna make all the decisions. He fits 
he his skill set actually fits what they want to do. Nick Saban, his coach, his college coach, is really tight with Nick with with Bill Belichick. He's coming from Alabama under Steve Sarkeesian. A lot of pro language. He's going to make all the anticipatory throws. He's going to be efficient. He's not going to win you. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism or wow you with, you know, with, you know, with his strong arm. He's not going to do none of those things, but he's not going to lose you football games. He's not going to turn over the football, you know, and with New England, they're not going to ask Mac Jones to be this. Like I said, I, I, I continue to stress it. New England's not going to ask Mac Jones to be this prolific passer. They're just not. They're not the way how they're the, first of all, the way how their offense is built and the talent that they have, you know, at, at their skill positions. They're not built. They're not their, their offense is not built to throw for 300, 400 yards every single week. It's just not they're not built that way. They're not built that way. They're going to they're going to win their games with defense, coaching, ball control. Mac Jones not turn over the ball, Mac Jones being efficient and being able to run the ball effectively and controlling the line of scrimmage. Simple as that. But Cam Newton in New England was always a weird fit, and it was never going to be a long-term solution. It was clear that it was temporary. He was a bridge quarterback until they found their guy. Mac Jones is their guy. Mac Jones is the guy that they have been wanting since the departure of Tom Brady. He fits the mold of the quarterback, the type of quarterback that they want. Cam Newton, I told you, I, I, and you guys can go back and listen to the episodes that I did last year when, when New England first signed Cam Newton. You guys can go back. I always thought it was a weird fit. I always thought it was a weird fit. I'm actually surprised that it lasted this long. If you want me to be honest with you, I'm genuinely surprised that it lasted this long. Because I've always thought Cam Newton to New England was a weird fit. Um, I questioned, I questioned how effective it was going to be. You know, I just never saw the complete upside of Cam Newton being in New England. I mean, granted, he got a job, he was able to make money and so forth, and I, you know, that's great. But as far as a fit football-wise, I never liked it. I was never a huge fan of New England and Cam Newton because what he does best is not what their offense requires. It doesn't benefit their offense, and it doesn't benefit his skill set. What Mac Jones does definitely benefits and fits what New England wants to do offensively and what they and what they what type of quarterback they want under center. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. Like I said, two things. The COVID mishaps, the COVID misunderstanding, that didn't help Cam Newton at all. Like I said in the previous episode, he made the he made the decision a bit easier for Belichick to lean Mac Jones way. And then you take into account that that Cam Newton didn't have no he didn't have any sweat equity. With, you know, throughout the Patriots organization, he was only there for one year. It was always a weird fit. And he was always seen as a guy who was just a bridge quarterback. He was just there temporarily. He was never going to be a long term fit for the Patriots. Simple as that. Simple as that. You know, and, you know, with Cam, you people think I hate on Cam. Uh, I am critical of Cam. 
I am. But th- th- you look at the things that he's done throughout. He's had a good career. I'm not, you know, I'm not doubting that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, shaming that. I'm not shaming his career. But just this is just the point of his career, where, as I said, you don't find it coincidental that when Ron Rivera first first took the Washington football team job, the Washington football team was in need of a quarterback. You didn't find it a bit strange um, or a bit head scratching that that Ron Rivera didn't offer Cam Newton a job, even like his coach that his coach. For nine years, didn't offer him a job when his new team needed a quarterback. You didn't find that glaring. Buffalo, bu- Buffalo's offensive coaching staff all used to work in Carolina. You didn't find it strange that Buffalo didn't call Cam Newton to come in as a backup. At least, it's a telltale sign. And the writing was the writing was all over the wall in terms of Cam Newton's future in New England. Simple as that. If you, I mean, if you couldn't catch if you couldn't catch that, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know how. I, I don't know how else I can explain it to you as far as Cam Newton and his situation in New England. It was never going to be a long term fit. They were always looking. He he would. They were always looking for a guy that would be their long term fit. But Cam Newton was just there temporarily. He was a bridge quarterback until they found their guy. When when New England drafted Mac Jones at 15, you should have known what the next steps were. Going into training camp, going into preseason, you should have known what the next steps what the next steps were. If you didn't know, if you didn't know about Cam Newton and the whole situation with New England and uh, as far as, it, you know, it being a long – like, it was never going to work out. It was never going to be a long-term situation. Like I said, I'm genuinely surprised, if, I, if I'm going to be honest with you guys and admit it, I'm genuinely surprised that it lasted this long. But, you know, Mac Jones, um, I think Mac Jones – I've been saying it. I've been saying it since uh, since New England drafted Mac Jones. I've been saying it over the last couple of weeks. You know, when I've been talking about these these rookie quarterbacks, but Mac Jones is going to be. He, I think he's going to be okay. I, I don't think. I think Mac Jones. I don't think his ceiling is necessarily high. I think he has a high floor, but I don't think his ceiling is necessarily high. But like I said, New England is not going to ask him to go out there and win games. They're not going to ask him. No. New England is going to have a top 10 defense. They're going to have a top 10 unit defensively. Their their offensive line is solid. They're going to be able to run the football and they're not going to ask they're not going to ask Mac Jones to be this prolific passer down the field. They're not. They're going to ask him the things, they're going to ask him to do things that he's comfortable doing. You know, intermediate anticipatory throws, um being accurate. Simple as that. They're not gonna ask. They're not gonna ask him to be uh, an elite, uh, all otherworldly quarterback. No, they're not gonna ask him to put up crazy numbers. They're not gonna ask him to do a lot outside of his comfort zone. They're gonna stick to the things that he does well, and it just so happenly the things that he do well offensively. That's what they do a lot of in New England. So, it, I think I think with Mac Jones, it's gonna work out. Um, like I said. Like I, depending on when, depending on where Trey Lance plays or when he plays, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Trey Lance and Mac Jones, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, 
win the most games. It wouldn't. And that doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best quarterbacks in the in this draft class. Although I think Trey Lance has a really, really high ceiling, and I think he has a chance to be really, really good. But in terms of winning and what's around them, Mac Jones and Trey Lance, I'm going to continue to reiterate it. I'm going to continue to say it. They have the best supporting cast out of any of these first-round quarterbacks. Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Mac Jones will get his opportunity to start this year, um, week one, versus his former teammate Tua. And at some point, Trey Lance will probably play. At some point. I think it's – I don't know when. You know, but at some point, I do think Trey Lance will get a chance to win or win, will get a chance to play. Um, and these guys could very well be winning playoff games this this year. Like, Mac Jones could very well win a playoff game. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft class, but he's going to be very productive and he's going to win more often than a lot of these other rookie quarterbacks that were drafted and taken in the first round just based upon where he landed. Situations are better. I always say it's sometimes, you know, obviously I think in my opinion, obviously Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than John, uh, than Mac Jones. Zach Wilson is, tal- is is probably more talented than Mac Jones, but you look at their situations, it's night and day. And Mac Jones landed in a better situation. So we'll see how it transpires. We'll see how it works out, but um, not surprised at all about the Cam Newton news. Uh, and I, you know, I heard the Cowboys are interested in Cam Newton, so we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how this story continues to develop with Cam Newton and his future. But I know at, at this point, it looks like Cam he's going to be aiming for a backup job. He's going to be aiming for a backup job. That's what it looks like at this point. That's what it looks like. And I know a lot of Cam, there's a lot of Cam Newton fanboys and a lot of Cam Newton fans. I get it. You know, it's always tough to see one of your favorite players decline and not be as good as they once were. But it's a simple fact. Cam isn't as he's not the player that he once was. Um, and that and that that has been shown over the course of the last couple of years. That has been shown. And with Mac Jones being the starter um, in New England, uh, I, and I talked about this a little bit, and I'm going to – this team, this next team I want to talk about, you know, they play New England, which is the Miami Dolphins. But lastly, Mac Jones, I made my prediction uh, about the Patriots. I, I have them going 10-7, and seven, and I think this year – I think they're going to make it back to the playoffs. And – as I was making my prediction, I didn't know Mac Jones was going to be the starter or not, but I figured if if New England can get if they can get consistent quarterback play, I have them winning ten games. And I'm looking at their schedule, and I did this prior to picking them, but I'm looking at their schedule now even more, given the fact that we know who the starting quarterback is. Belichick has had tremendous. I repeat, Belichick has had tremendous success versus first and second year quarterbacks. Look at like over the last 20 years, look at Belichick's, you can look at over the last 10 years. Look at Belichick's record versus first year or second year quarterbacks. He 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 thrive he thrives. Belichick thrives on, you know, on pressuring 
in beating first year, second year quarterbacks. Look at that record. And I think they play, I think New England, they have 10 first year or second year quarterbacks on their schedules, including Josh Allen. Like, like New England, anytime New England has played Buffalo, even last year a bit, New England did a really good job. Belichick does a really good job versus Josh Allen. Look at Josh Allen numbers versus New England. They ain't great. They 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 ain't great. So pay attention to that because that's one of the and that's also a tip for football bets. One of the one of the easier bets, one of the most guaranteed bets in football is betting with Belichick versus a first year or second year quarterback. One of the easiest bets. I I, I promise you. One of the easiest bets. Bet 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 with Belichick on when he plays first year or second year quarterbacks. But not only that, with New England and Mac Jones, the thing and, and if you if you're a regular listener or if you've been listening, you know, to my football content as far as, you know, throughout the draft and leading up to the draft, if you heard um of my evaluations of Mac Jones, I don't I don't think he's necessarily I don't think he has the highest ceiling. I think he's a high floor player. But it did it, it, it I'm not gonna say it surprised me, but it was a really good sign to see. It was a good sight to see that Mac Jones was comfortable. He was now granted it's preseason and so forth. But still, the mere fact that he was able to grasp the offense very quickly and swiftly, and he was able to grant it. Like I said, I know it's preseason. You don't want to read too much into it. But I don't think it's coincidental that Mac Jones was able to quickly evaluate and and, and under and get a, a, a like a somewhat of an understanding of this system. And then displayed on the field, and he looked so poised and comfortable while doing it. I don't I, I, like. I think these will these type of skills will correlate, and I think that's that's one of the things that I try to look for in preseason football. Like I said, like preseason in the NF in the regular season, two different things. Just like the regular season and postseason football is two different things. But there is, there, but you can take certain skill sets or certain traits that one player uses in preseason and those things those traits can carry over to the regular season so it's stuff so like some of these things and the poise and the comfortableness that i saw for mac jones some of these traits can be transferable and you in need and these could translate to the regular season so like I said, I, like you guys know, I'm like some people think I hate on Mac Jones. I'm not. I don't hate on Mac Jones. Um, am I a bit critical? Maybe, yeah. But I just think he has a. Uh, I think his floor is high. Um, and I, I just don't think he's going to be a bust. But he's not going. Like I said, he's not overly dynamic. He doesn't have. You know, he's not overly dynamic. But he's going to make the right plays. Um, he he made some really good throws. Um, he's going to be accurate anticipatory thrower anticipatory anticipatory passer so I, I, he does all the things that new england wants um so that's just that I, I, 
when I look at New England, I feel definitely comfortable about them and their situation as far as their quarterbacks or, or Mac Jones, I should say. But um, <laughs> funny, before I move on, before I move on, it would be remiss for me if I did not mention <laughs> the hilarious, I don't know how hilarious, because some, some people may take it like serious, serious, but I find it very hilarious about that fake high school football team that got caught. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what is worse. You, you and you guys could be the judge. You you tell me what's worse. Is it is it is it the mere fact that they are? And I'm sure. So if you don't know the backstory, there's this fake football high school team. By the way, their coach got fired. I still can't really wrap my head around. I can't wrap my mind around how a coach get fired, but the team wasn't a real team. So it, it, was he a real coach? I, I don't know. But the coach, Roy Johnson, he got fired, um, apparently. But the backstory of this, um, there's this, there was a fake football high school team that ended up playing on ESPN versus IMG Academy. IMG Academy is one of the more, it's one of the more premier upscale um preparatory schools for for athletes, right? So they ended up playing IMG on ESPN and they get absolutely blasted. They get they get blasted. They get blasted, they get annihilated. I think it's like, I think the, I think the final score was like 58 to 0. I don't know what's what's worse. The mere fact that they were a fake high school team made up of just adults or it's a fake high school team made up of adults and they just get annihilated by IMG. I still can't wrap my mind around it. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, if you don't know the story, you can go look it up. It, it's it's buzzing around the sports world. It's pretty hilarious. Um, I'm not sure who – like whoever – Whoever allowed that at ESPN, that's a big boo-boo. ESPN hasn't had the best. Like these last few months for ESPN has not been the greatest. So it's a it's a lot of revolving, it's a lot of dynamics going on. Uh somebody dropped the ball. So uh I, I need to get the name of that school. Can we get the name of that school? As as I'm trying to get the name of that school really quickly. Um we need to get the name of that school or the fake the fake football team. So Bishop Sycamore, Bishop Sycamore, Bishop Sycamore, uh, and they fired their coach, Roy Johnson. Like I said, I, I still, after the, after the 58 point loss to IMG on ESPN, I still can't figure out whether or not, like since the team was fake, how could you fire a coach of a fake team? Because wouldn't that make him a fake coach? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But supposedly it's a made-up school. It's a made-up football team. Somehow, some way, they ended up on ESPN. Like I said, somebody at ESPN dropped the ball. Um, I don't know who. I don't know who responsible for that or who's responsible for that. But somebody dropped the ball, and I don't. Whoever dropped the ball, I don't think that's I don't think they're in the best spot right now. But ES, like I said, ESPN over the last several months has had their share of troubles. 
Uh, but this, I kind of find this story pretty funny about this fake high school football team, and then they just get blasted by IMG. So, <laughs> just a quick side note. But let's. I'm a, after this. I'm gonna move on to the Miami Dolphins and Deshaun Watson, Tua Tonga Tonga Valoa, and this whole situation with uh with these with the quarterbacks. All right, so about 20 28 minutes into the uh, to, to this episode, uh, so as I mentioned, I'm gonna move into Deshaun Watson going to possibly going to Miami. Um, this thing in Houston, I, I, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna tell you this. I don't know what's in the water in Houston. Uh, I've been talking about this for over the last like since the end of the NFL season with this Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson drama. Now it's just carried over right before the season. And I tell you this, should Houston trade for Deshaun Watson at this moment, or should they trade Deshaun Watson at this moment, I should say? Uh, should Miami trade for him? There's there's a lot of risk on both sides. Uh, Houston and Nick Casario, uh, new GM, you know, you don't want your first major move to be, you know, you totally mishandled the Deshaun Watson trade. But, I mean, if I'm really looking at the risk and how long, it, you know, this process could play out and just the uncertainty behind it, uh, I don't like I don't like what Houston <laughs> has in plan. Um, and I'm not even sure if they have a plan or a direction. Uh, the only thing that Houston has made clear is that they want three first-rounders along with two uh, second-rounders. You may want a you you may want a lot of things. I'm sure a lot of you guys listening want a lot of things, but you're not gonna get those things. Uh, in Miami, in in Houston, I'm not sure at this moment. With I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson is a superstar level quarterback, but with the uncertainty behind him, um, in the 22 civil law cases, in the 10 criminal complaints. I don't know how on God's green earth you could possibly think that a team is going to give up three first round picks and two second round picks at this juncture, right? Be two weeks, be like a week and a half before the season starts. I just don't see it. Now, in Miami's perspective, my did Miami, and I've talked about this um, on occasion throughout this throughout this podcast. Miami has done everything right in this process as far as their rebuild. A couple years ago, Miami was horrible. They were bad. They had young head coach and Brian Flores, but they they but they have completely they've done a complete 360 over the last year and a half where they were a 10 and 6 football team last year. Granted, they didn't make the playoffs. That goes to show you how deep the AFC was, but the Miami Dolphins have done everything right in this rebuild. They've drafted the right coach. I mean, well, they've hired the right coach. They've drafted the right players. Their front office has made the right signings in the offseason. They've built up their defense. They've added weapons on offense as far as their skill positions. The only thing that's lingering with the Miami Dolphins is Tua Tagovailoa. Is he the guy? Is he the guy? And I'm not sure. I, I Honestly, I can't. I mean, you know, coming out of Alabama, I was pretty high on Tua. But I, honestly, at this point, I can't say I'm sure that he is the guy. I can't lean in the direction that Tua Tagovailoa is the guy. So 
that's just a question for Miami to throw out there. But you can still – you could have two on your roster and still want Deshaun Watson. It's a business. It's a business. It's a business in every – that every sports team has to think about. It's a decision that every sports team – like, you can have a particular position that is being fulfilled, but you can also want somebody that is better at that position, which Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. Simple as that. And I'm not even sure if Tua Tagovailoa will ever be as good as Deshaun Watson. So that's what's at stake for Miami. And it's clear as day. It's the worst kept secret in the league that Miami really, really wants Deshaun Watson. So we, so there has to be some type of measures. How far is Miami willing to take these trade talks into the season? You know, how, how could this, how could this affect one's locker room? You got to ask yourself that, but Houston has to make a choice. I feel like the balls in Houston's court, the balls in Houston court. And basically Houston, he like in today, actually, because as you can see throughout the league um, on this Tuesday, but you guys know this would be a Wednesday. This is a Wednesday episode. So by the time you guys hear this, most of the teams around the league would have made their roster cuts already. And they have their 53 man set roster for week one. Well, Houston has to figure out. Are they going to pay Deshaun Watson ten and a half million dollars throughout this year? to not play a single game and wait till March to trade him because if they go if they go that route where he doesn't play they have to pay him 10 million dollars and they have to wait they're essentially saying we're waiting until the end of the season after February going into March we're willing to take that risk where there's a lot of uncertainty but we're likely to get more back as far as assets or do you trade them right now? You don't have to go through no more of the PR nonsense or the PR nightmare that you have had to gone through that you have gone through over the last several months since this case or since these legal troubles have opened up about Deshaun Watson. Um, you also have that contract off the books where you don't have to pay him ten million, ten to have million dollars to do nothing. So it's all about what Houston wants to do. But if I'm a, and this is my opinion, Houston, I don't think Houston, their, their asking price is pretty high and for rightful reasons. But this, with this particular situation, it's such a unique situation. I'm not even sure if Houston is able or have the leverage to ask for such a steep price with all of the uncertainty, with all of the, with all of the legal troubles. I don't know. Cause it, it, you're cause basically you're asking Miami to give up three first rounders to give up two second rounders for a guy who obviously is really good. Like that's not the question, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a reason why Deshaun. it's a reason why Miami really, really wants Deshaun Watson. It's a reason why the Carolina Panthers have engaged in trade talks. It's a reason why the Broncos earlier have engaged in trade talks. It's a reason why um, the Philadelphia Eagles have it. Like, Deshaun Watson is a superstar-level quarterback when he's playing. But that's the bit of the risk. 
the Miami Dolphins don't know when he's going to play again. We don't, we don't know. Nobody knows. The Texans don't know. So that's that. So that's where I think the Texans lose a bit um, of leverage per se. I think they lose leverage right there. And you know, I'm a, after I'm done with my little soliloquy, I play a clip um, of Brian Flores and him talking about this whole Deshaun Watson situation. But the Dolphins, you know, I seen a report earlier today. They they're saying Tua is their quarterback, but these trade talks have been lingering all throughout the offseason, heading into training camp, all throughout preseason. And these trade talks, I would guess, I would predict, will only go further into the season. So the Dolphins, can they can say Tua's our quarterback, but when you're, enga- when you're constantly engaging in trade talks, it really doesn't say Tua is our quarterback. Your actions don't back up what you're saying. So we'll see. We'll see how this all um how this all lands. But Houston, I feel like, and Nick Casario, you have to almost ask yourself, what leverage do they have where they can still have such a steep asking price for a guy who we don't know he's gonna we don't know when Deshaun Watson's gonna play. 22 civil lawsuits and 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 I could give my opinion about how the case is going to like play if you would have asked me I I don't know the time frame or the time span or when this case is set for trial but at some point I think these cases or what happened with Deshaun Watson I think um they will I'm not gonna say disappear but they will go through the legal, the you know, the, the legal system. And I think he's going to have to end up paying a lot of these cases off. And the NFL would then step in. And they will probably hand down a hefty suspension. That's my take. That's that's my that's my short take on what I think the outcome is going to be. Still, we don't know when he's available to play. We don't know when he's available to play, and I would and and it's it's so I'm so curious to know because I have so many questions about Houston's approach because not only Nick Casario but I'm thinking of a guy like uh, Kyle McNear, the Texans owner, where Kyle McNear he's not a football guy, like he no by any stretch of the imagination, the, his the team was inherited, you know his father owned the team, his father bought the team. He does he's not a football guy at all. So I we don't know what his mindset is. His mindset could very well be, hey, we just paid Deshaun Watson. He doesn't want to be here anymore. We don't know when he's gonna play or when the next time he's gonna be available to play. And I don't want to pay him $10 million just to do anything. So trade him. Do what you gotta do. So th- that could very well be um, Cal McNear's mindset or approach to this whole situation. We don't know. We don't know. But Nick Casario um, has been very inconsistent, and I feel like the Texans, they're, they're, they're having trade talks, and they're, 
they're entertaining talks as if it's like January or before like the draft, but they're not realizing. I don't think <laughs> I think they're failing to I think they're failing to realize that um the season is a week and a half away. The season a week the season is literally a week and a half away and there's going to be no team no matter how bad they want Deshaun Watson. There's going to be no team right now at this juncture that's going to be willing to give up what the Texans are asking for. Simple as that. Simple as that. Simple as that. I I just don't I just don't see how the Dolphins or any other team, like I said, the Panthers who were interested, you know, the te- teams are teams have already solidified their quarterback situations going into this season. They've already solidified it. So any type of any any type of like trade ideas that may come come through or proposals, teams are going to be very hesitant to look at it, especially with a guy who we don't know who's we don't know who's going to play. So it, it sounds it may sound regurgitated a bit, but we just don't know. It's so much uncertainty with this situation in Deshaun Watson. So I don't know, and I and I heard I so I, and over the last couple of days I've been listening to Brian Flores and his approach to um when the media poses him a question about the trade talks concerning Deshaun Watson, and like I said. The Dolphins, I did see a report where the Dolphins said, hey, Tua's our guy. But, boy, they are they are not doing – and maybe this is not Brian Flores' fault. Brian Flores is trying to pick and choose his words carefully. But, boy, they are really, really – they're really going out to Sean Watson. <laughs> they're like – the fact that they're still entertaining trade talks with Deshaun Watson, it shows they want Deshaun Watson. It's just a simple fact of is Houston willing to play ball as far as entertaining trade talks and getting a deal done? And it goes back to the situation or it goes back to kind of the decisions that I talked about that Houston is going to have to make. Do you want to pay Deshaun Watson $10.5 million to just sit and not play? And, you, you know, you pay him $10.5 million. But you wait until March potentially to trade him, where the likelihood of you getting what your asking price is, it, it increases. But there's still there still could be there could be greater uncertainty about Deshaun Watson and his availability to play. Or do you just trade him right now? The you know, there's been there's just been the, this dark cloud. Do you get rid of this dark cloud? that's been hanging over the Houston Texans franchise over the last several months with this whole Deshaun Watson saga and you get out of not happening to pay him, you know, it's just this whole balancing act and decisions that Houston is going to have to make throughout the course of the season. But I'm going to play these clips um, from Brian Flores over the last couple days and what he has said um, concerning Deshaun Watson uh, in the possible trade talks. So, like I said, here's Brian Flores um, answering some questions that the media posed to him about Deshaun Watson. His first one is concerning Deshaun Watson and his character. And, you know, Brian Flores talks about the type of players that the Dolphins organization wants as far as character guys. Here we go. 
person in the organization. Um, there's a standard of, of uh, you know, we have a standard of, the, of, of you know, the, we want, the way we want people to, I mean, we have a high standard for the people we have in the organization. So uh, I don't get into last strikes or anything. We just, you know, we, we want the people with high character and throughout the building. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking for. So, <laughs> um, it go and that and that, that so that clip kind of goes back to what I was talking about as far as the Houston's the Houston the Houston Texans asking price for Deshaun Watson. You you know the asking price is steep for a guy who his character is on the line at this moment. You know prior to prior to this you know these legal allegations <clears throat> surround surrounding Deshaun Watson. We most most everybody looked at Deshaun Watson as a high character type of guy, right? But now the fact that the the fact that the matter is, you know, with these cases surrounding him, it's not. It's in question. It's it's very much in question. Um, and and, and that that's fine. But I think Brian Flores is probably you know, Nick. He, he's he's pointing at the fact that Houston asking price is uh. Three first rounders and two second rounders. Uh for a guy right now who characters in question. And I'm gonna play the second clip where he's talking about um the Dolphins quarterback situation uh and Tua and so forth and his confidence in Tua, even though the Dolphins engaging in trade talks kinda tells us something else. Here it goes. Uh, you know, reports, speculation, not things we really get into. Um, look, I, I understand the question, uh, but as I've said in the past, any conversations that we have or don't have with other clubs um, are going to be internal. Um, I've, I've been pretty steadfast about that with our players, with, with, with uh, other clubs. Uh, I'm very confident in Tua. He's done a lot of good things uh, this spring, this offseason, this training camp. Uh, played well last week. Um, and again, my conversations with the players you know, are going to always remain between uh, me and that player. So, I talk to a lot of players every day. Um, obviously, I spend a lot of time with the quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, those conversations will remain between myself and, and that player. All right, so that was that. And you know, we to, to talk about the to touch on Tua a little bit. Like I said, the Dolphins rebuild has they've done everything right. They've done everything right in this rebuilding process, and it, it, now they're at a they're at, they're at a point where. The quarterback situation in the quarterback position itself is the is the one thing that's really holding them back from being 
an elite football team, if we're being honest, you know. So this is, you know, given the fact that Tua is young, um, he only has, what, nine starts, I think, in his professional career, nine starts. So he's going into a season where he ha- he only has not his second year. Where he's, we, we only has nine starts. It's it, it's really it's really a prove it year for Tua, and it seems quite early for it to be a prove it year. But it's a prove it year for Tua. The Dolphins have improved their 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 roster, especially on the offensive end. The offensive end was a bit shaky last year, but. You know, you added Jalen Waddle uh, to his former teammate at Alabama. You got Will Fuller, so you got some explosive down the field playmakers um, that you've added to the receiving core, and then Mike Jacecki. So there's some weapons for Tua to play with, and um, that now you know this is this is like this is this is basically Tua like show what you got, show what you got, and who knows, maybe Tua does play well. And maybe Tua, you know, he, he, you know, he shows, uh, some he shows some signs of what was advertised at Alabama and coming out of the draft. You know, maybe he does show that type of potential, and that could very well help the Dolphins if they want to initiate and continue on in the trade process and trade conversations with the Houston Texans concerning Deshaun Watson. Tua. Rising his stock and Tua having a really good sophomore year could very well you they could use that as a trade asset and trade value to get Deshaun Watson. <clears throat> Either way, I think this is a proven year for Tua. Whether he is the Miami Dolphins quarterback for the foreseeable future, or the Dolphins use that as trade bait and value and use him as an asset in order to flip him and get Deshaun Watson. Simple as that. I think so I I think that I think that is um that's what's at stake with Tua. You know, that's what's at stake. I know I know a lot of people had questions about Tua's durability, um the fact that at Alabama he had so much talent around him. They now people want to see like some of, you know, Tua him trying to be an improviser of somewhat, you know. I think people want. I think people really, really want to see that from Tua. Um, and this is this would be the year to show it. The Dolph, like I said, the Dolphins. They're coming off of a ten-win season last year. Um, it's there's no more Ryan Fitzpatrick, so they basically got to stick with Tua, no matter how bad or how good they get. Like they got to stick with Tua. Um, and you got a team right now in the Dolphins that's really good. A Dolphins team that that that's really good. Um, do I th- like like you know you guys know I did my predictions a couple weeks back. I have Miami at nine and eight, but I think Miami if Tua if he can you know find a, a bit more consistency and he's like I said if he can show signs of what was advertised back in Alabama. I think the Dolphins could very well be a 10-win team and into the playoffs. I think they can. Um, and they improved their roster last year. So from from last year. So they can they can definitely make a take another step in the right direction this year. But I think a lot of that is going to be based on the play of Tua. It's going to be based on the play of Tua. Simple. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Um and with Deshaun Watson, we'll see. 
like I said, Tua could be used in a, as an asset. Um, Deshaun Watson could very well end up. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't ask. Like, and that's this is the funny thing. We don't, we don't have a deadline for this thing, for like the Houston, for the Houston Texans, and for them trading Deshaun Watson. There's no deadline. There's no deadline. The deadline could very well be week eight, the trade deadline for the NFL. Like that could that could ver that I think I mean if we're being realistic, that's probably the deadline. Week eight. The Dolphins could very well get a deal done prior to week eight. And you know, it'll be a seamless transition. Granted, Deshaun Watson most likely won't play this year, but it's still a seamless transition where um Miami's offensive coordinator is really good friends with Bill O'Brien and they run a very similar offense. So that's what I mean. That's what I mean by the, the transition was seeming like it'll work. It'll be fine. He's not learning a new system. Deshaun wants to be plugged into a system that he's already familiar and comfortable with. So we'll see. But uh, Houston, I just, I can't stand talking about the Texans organization because you guys know how I feel about it. I think Jack Easterby, him being the 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 actual team pastor, having a job in a say so in football moves. I still I still can't stomach that and get over that. Like imagine Joel Olstein having full control of your team football moves. That's Jack Easterby. So I don't know. I, I, I something just don't sit right in my spirit with Houston. It, it, it's just uh, I, I, I don't I don't know. Something just don't sit right in my spirit with Houston. Houston, it, I just I think there's a dark cloud hanging over the franchise. Uh, you guys know I think Houston's gonna be awful this year. They're gonna be they're gonna be trash. Uh, but we'll see how this Deshaun Watson uh, timetable sticks around. Um, let, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm take a break after this, but next up, lastly, I'm going to finish out my thoughts with Cam Newton um, and his future as NFL quarterback. Okay, so I'm going to end off the episode with this. Um, Cam Newton, I talked about this on the previous episode, which was funny. Because, like, how ironic where I talked about in the previous episode, by the time I talk back to you guys, he's cut and released. And it's what I've said dating back to last year when the Patriots, when news broke that the Patriots wanted to, or the Patriots signed Cam Newton. Uh, I never thought it was a good fit. I never, I, I swear. You guys can go back and listen to the episode that I did about a year ago. About a year, about a year, about a year ago, right before the season started, the Patriots signed Cam Newton. And my initial thought process was, I don't know, I don't see the match. I don't see the fit. I I just never saw this like this relationship working out. Like I said, like I said earlier in the episode, I'm quite surprised. I'm genuinely surprised that it lasted this long. Because when I think of Belichick and what he values, and when I think of Cam Newton, it's two, it's polar opposites. Belichick is efficient, winning, not really into the the joking and dancing around. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Cam has to stop doing those things 
or should have stopped doing those things. But I just never thought the personalities between the two match. Cam's more free-flowing and inefficient and inaccurate. He's everything that Belichick isn't. And Cam, you know, I just never saw the fit. And I've said that from day one. I've said that literally from last year, dating back to last year. I said it. And, you know, with Cam Newton and his depreciating skill sets and athleticism, his weaknesses only become more glaring. So the in, the, the, the inaccuracy downfield, um, you know, sometimes the pocket presence that's that, that that's only those weaknesses are only showing up more as he's age and as he's lost his athleticism. It's it's only showing more. So I never thought this relationship would pan out. Um it they, you know, Bella, like like I said, I I no, it's no need for me to continue, but Cam didn't have the greatest season last year. Uh and the writing was kind of on the wall when the Patriots drafted Mac Jones at 15. But then Cam made the decision even more easier. You, and, you, and, and like I said, you would think for a guy like Cam Newton, right? COVID last year took a hit on his season because he caught COVID last year and it basically derailed his season last year. So you would think with a quarterback battle happening between him and Mac Jones, and I'm sure Cam Newton wanted wanted to be the starter, you would think that same guy that caught COVID last year would take every necessary precaution to avoid what happened last year. <laughs> you would think, right? You would think. You would think. You would, you, would, you would think that. You would think he will take every necessary precaution in terms of, you know, being vaccinated, following COVID-19 protocols and so forth. And the mere fact that he had a COVID misunderstanding along the way in the midst of a quarterback battle. <sighs> He made the decision so much easier for Bill Belichick to go with Mac Jones. Also, I must add, um, because some people think I hate on Mac Jones. I don't. I don't hate on Mac Jones. Let's tell it like it is. It didn't. It, it also helps that Mac Jones did play well in the preseason, right? But Cam Newton made this decision much easier than it than it should have been with him and his misunderstand his misunderstanding of or his I should say the misunderstanding with the covid protocols right he made the decision easier and you never want to make the you like in these type of position battles and you know battling out for a position and who's going to be the starter you never want to make the decision easier on the coach you want to force the coach to make a tough decision and cam you know, he did the he did the opposite of that. He made the decision easier for Coach Belichick to give the nod to Mac Jones, and Belichick even did himself even much. Uh, he did himself a bit even bigger favor and cut him. So, 
you take it into account that Cam is not the quarterback that he once was. You take it into account that Cam and his weaknesses are only increasing and they're becoming even more glaring while you're watching him play. And you take into account that he had the COVID mishap, um, that he had, he like, he's, it, it's just a similar mistake that he had last year. And then also Mac Jones as a quarterback, as a young quarterback, fits what New England wants to do. Writing was kind of on the wall. Writing was kind of on the wall, and that made Cam Newton expendable immediately. And now he's a free agent, and he got cut by the Patriots. But, you know, that's neither here or there. Um, like I said, Mac Jones, uh, I wish the best for him. I think Mac Jones, I, I, I'm going to stand by my Patriots prediction. I, I got them going 7 and, oh, well, I just 10 and 7. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, I got the Patriots going 10 and 7. Like I told you guys, for all you little football betters, for all the gamblers out there, the 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 best bet to take is Belichick versus a first year or second year quarterback. Belichick in his defense versus a first year or second year quarterback is almost a guaranteed win every time. Look up and down that schedule. It's a lot of first year, second year quarterbacks that the Patriots have to play. Ah. I think the Patriots are going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be back into the playoff picture, back in the playoff race. Um, and I still stand by what I said about Mac Jones. I never said Mac Jones is going to be a bust, but he's going to do the things that New England likes. Efficient. He's going to make the, he's going to make the proper reads, the proper throws. He's going to be an anticipatory thrower, or I should say an anticipatory passer. Um, he's not going to turn over the ball. He's not going to lose you games. Now, granted, I don't think I don't think um, Mac Jones has the highest ceiling. Um, I'm not. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's the best quarterback, the best rookie quarterback in this class. But when by but by the end of the season, Mac Jones, out of all of these rookie quarterbacks, um, he may very well win the most games just based on the situation that he's in right now in New England, him and Trey Lance, they very well could win the most games because their situations are just so much better. They're, they're in better situations than, you know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and so forth. But without without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Um, <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will be – I think I'll be back on Saturday. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm kidding. I think I'll be back on Saturday, though. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. Um, yeah, this is going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, greatly appreciate it to all the listeners out there. Um, adios. Peace. Deuces. I'm gone.